When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Uh, it feels good, you know. It, it's a it's a really good system that really fits uh, this team, this offense, um, and the players that we have. So um, it's exciting. It's always exciting learning a new offense and uh, trying to kind of make it your own and, and try to do the things that. Um, they kind of expect from you to do the quarterback, the offensive coordinator, and, uh, trying to perfect it. So it's always a it's always a fun time to uh, kind of do something different. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen there from the other day OTAs. Um, the Vikings will have their final week of OTAs next Tuesday is open to the media. So next week, Mike Zimmer has his golf tournament, which I will be playing in the media portion of that in the morning. Before I come to the show, you and Cronin. So uh, it'll be me and Courtney, and I can tell you this, Judd, as uh, Judd Zolgad in studio here, Purple Daily. Courtney has improved a lot. We played the other day. She's gotten a lot better since last year with the Zimmer Golf Tournament. We played with really uh, okay. Yeah, we played with Lester Bagley, and uh, we didn't show very well. We were one of the poorer groups, and I think now Courtney's going to bring it. She's been practicing quite a bit, so I'm looking forward to that. That's awesome. Good. It is. It is that time of year where we're talking about the head coach's golf tournament and OTAs, and then comes the mini camp. And then we take a little bit of a break, come back at training camp, and uh, that's kind of the shape of the offseason. Then after that, the pedal is down. What does Rami say? There's no breaks. So yeah, that's, you cut the breaks. <laughs> that, I would not you don't cut have to the cut them. There the isn't any. Once not, you get yeah. to football season, there is no breaks. Um, so this gives us an opportunity, I think, Judd, to have some fun football discussions. And uh, in hour number two, Myron Metcalf is going to be in here. We're going to go through the best coaches in the NFL. Sporting News put out a list of all 32 coaches and ranked them. So we'll let you know where Mike Zimmer ranks and go through them one by one with ESPN's Myron Metcalf. Something else, Judd, has been on my mind because of the internet. The internet loves to argue about running the football. And I mean every single day on Twitter, the football people I follow, analytics people, I don't even want to call them old school, but just analytics people versus everybody else talking about running the football. And there are a lot of analytics people that have the data to back it up to show you that you shouldn't really be running all that often, if ever, but probably you should at least to have some play action game. If you never ran, then you know you can't fake a run. Right. But an only enough running game to fake the play action. You can run on first down. You can run on third and short. You can run at the goal line. But aside from that, you're talking about uh, it not being a very efficient play. And that got me thinking, Judd, about the Minnesota Vikings and how they've decided to build on the offensive side. They did not invest huge money in a wide receiver three. They invest a draft pick in a tight end, which helps your running game with two tight end sets. They get a center who is known for, you guessed it, being a great run blocker in his own system. And they bring in Gary Kubiak, whose offense for a very long time in the zone running system has been known for being great at rushing the football. Dalvin Cook is very talented. We know that. And this team in 2017 was one of the strongest running teams in the league. That certainly did not hurt. But, Judd, do you think that they have taken the right approach by bringing in someone to help their run game? Drafting Dalvin Cook with a second-round pick is a big investment for a running back, Mm -hmm. unless you're really, really sure the guy's a Hall of Fame talent. And the center 
was entirely to help the run game there. Do you think that the Vikings are taking the right course on offense by investing a lot in running the football? I do, and here's why. I think given what we saw uh, during the course of the 2018 season from the offense, from the way it was run, from the quarterback who operated it, I think if you if we back off for one second and we don't hold it against Zim that he continually talked about because he likes to harp on things at press conferences, running the football. And I think people got tired of that. And I also think people didn't get that because their sense was he's old school. He just wants to run. Yep. But that wasn't it. If you look at the investment in Cousins and you go back to the most key, the fundamental key question in my mind when it comes to this offense now going into this season is this. What makes Cousins and the operation of this offense most successful? And I think if your answer comes back with, well, just throw more. Get more creative and throw more. Because look at what the Rams are doing. Or look at what the Chiefs are are doing. I think you are setting yourself up for dismal failure. So I think the Vikings, given what they have personnel-wise to work with, uh, went and hired Kubiak based on the fact that he likes to run the ball and is very good about coming up with uh, zone blocking schemes and designs to run uh, the football. They are making the right move because the most important thing comes back to this. This is not a a window of opportunity that's going to last long here. This is Kirk Cousins' year two. He's got three years. This was done from day one to win a Super Bowl immediately. And judging from what we saw this offense attempt to do in 2017, or 18, I'm sorry, excuse me, that was not successful. So there had to be adjustments made and a philosophical viewpoint shift, which they have made. So I think for what the Vikings are trying to do now, I'm not saying long-term and they might draft a quarterback and things might change completely, but for what they want to do going into uh, the coming season in which, I'll go back to it, the expectation is a championship, they are making the right decision. Okay, so I could see it that way looking at some of Kirk Cousins' shortcomings, and you want Kirk Cousins to have third and short and not third and long. If he throws an incompletion, if he takes a sack. Now, this is something we don't talk about a lot when it comes to offenses and passing games. If you look at just yards per attempt, you're going to get seven yards per throw. But if you you take away that and you look at only the yards per attempt with the sacks and you get sacked 40 times a year as he did last year, and this is not a guy with exceptional pocket presence that's going to lower that number in half. Uh, I would still put him at 30-something sacks this year, more likely than not, considering his left tackle is, to me, bottom third of the league as a pass blocker, as a run blocker, he's better. And you have to play to your strengths to that extent. And on the offensive line, Pat Elfline, not an amazing pass blocker. Riley Reef, not an amazing pass blocker. Brian O'Neill, I'm going to have to see it before I believe he's a great pass blocker. I, I think right now he could still get overpowered by stronger defensive ends. And Josh Klein, I know for sure from watching the tape, when he is overpowered by somebody on the other side, he just gets run right back into the quarterback. But he is a good zone-blocking, run-blocking offensive lineman. So, in a way, they've built the offensive line by the pieces that they've picked up along the way, whoever the best center was to pick, whoever the best guard was to pick to put this thing together piece by piece. And what they've come away with, especially with Brian O'Neill's athleticism, is a really decent offensive line in terms of run blocking. You also have a running back who has explosive ability beyond what I think about 85% of the league has. Maybe there's five other guys he what he had, he ran like twenty three miles an hour on a seventy yard touchdown run last year. I mean this Delvin Cook is a special caliber of running back who is capable of a home run play all the time. Do you have to factor those things in? You can't just look at oh well yards per attempt are X Y and Z, and a lot of that too is if you run on third and one you get two yards. If you factor all those in, you go well it's only two yard run, but that's exactly what you needed at that time. So so put all that kind of in a pot. I still think it's not the right way to build because when you look at the teams that were in the championship games last year, they're the top passing offenses. And I don't believe that it's impossible for Kirk Cousins to have one of the best offensive games uh, through the air because he's done it before in 2016 in Washington. Statistically, one of the best passing games in the league that year. Now, he had a much better offensive line, for sure. But 
This is 2019, and if you're going to have a truly explosive and dangerous offense, you have to be one of the most efficient passing games. Yes, and if if they, they thought that there was a good opportunity that he could do that with any sort of consistency, they might go that direction. But we all saw 2018, Matthew, and, and to me it comes back to because the window is so short here, what gives you the best? If you tell Kirk, Go to it, son. You go out there and you be that 2016 quarterback. The odds of that happening are probably pretty small. So, so this is, and, and keep in mind too, this is also built on because it always goes back. I will go back to what it always goes back to in Egan defense. This goes back to Mike saying to himself, my defense needs to rest, right? If we can effectively run the ball and matriculate it on the ground, that keeps my defense off the field and thus gives it a better chance to succeed when it's on the field. Which, by the way, is a proven fallacy. But that's how he would think. Yeah. yeah. No, but you're right. But it that's is, how he would it's think. a classic NFL fallacy. Yes. Is Tom Brady wants, moving the ball down the field one pass at a time, eight yards at a time. It, yeah, that keeps you on the field better than running inefficiently. But he wa- he wants in his mind the the rest that can possibly come with long drives. So anyway, the point being is is if they sat down with you and said, "Break it down," you would say, "Okay, here's here's X Y Z." But what they what the but I think what we don't look at enough from their perspective is probably a sense of panic of, oh my God, how do we get to where we, we need to be as quickly as possible? Because this this again comes back to worst case is not is not disappointment in 2019, Matthew. Worst case is people get fired. And so they are in a they are in a rush. And this is the worst thing to have to be in sports, but they are. They are in a rush to get the payoff immediately. They can't build towards that payoff. So I was just looking at some numbers. The team that had the lowest turnover percentage, this is a huge part for Mike Zimmer. He obsesses over the turnovers, in which you could argue that, look, I know what you mean with the turnovers, but it's really hard to control. If uh, Even the teams that pass the ball a lot will sometimes turn it over a lot, sometimes they won't. Take, for example, the New England Patriots. They were one of the most efficient passing games in the NFL. They were 29th in turnover percentage. The Los Angeles Rams threw the ball all over the place, 25th. Uh, oh, actually, I mean this in a good way. I'm sorry. Don't take that wrong. Let me resort it. So New, tops. En- New England was the fourth best. Okay. So I had sorted it backwards by right. the most turnovers. So New England was the fourth best at not turning the ball over, and they threw it all over the place. So did the Rams. The Vikings... Now, last year, I think if you asked Mike Zimmer, hey, where do you rank in turnovers? He would have said, bottom five, we've been awful in turnovers. They were actually 13th best. They didn't turn the ball over as much as you thought. It's just every time they did, it turned into a touchdown for the other team. (laughs) Which is a big deal. He obsessed over (laughs) turning the ball over. And I think because Seattle was the top running team and they turned it over very little, they were number one in turnover percentage, so fewest turnovers. Yep. That you would think, okay, well, that's because they ran the ball. Yep. And there is a good argument for that, that if you're running it, then you're not turning it over. And if you run it enough, yeah, maybe you can wear teams down and things like that, which may or may not exist in today's NFL with the great shape that players are in. I don't know about physical intimidation in the fourth quarter and stuff like that. I think there's probably some to it, but it's very hard to prove. What it comes down to, to me, is all about... Kirk Cousins is why they want to design everything around the running game. It's not just happenstance. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, okay, Dalvin Cook was a special player to drop to the second round. They knew that. It was because of some of the background issues at Florida State, some of the people he had surrounded himself with, and he had the trial there and everything else. So that was why he dropped down to the second round. I get that. That's a value play, and that's a good draft pick. Everything else just screams, like, we want to make sure that we protect everything around Kirk Cousins Mm -hmm. in a similar way that they tried to do around Case Keenum. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, now this is where I think that Mike Zimmer has it right in wanting to run the ball a lot is if other teams think you're running the ball a lot, Mm -hmm. you, there is definitely some effect of drawing them a little bit closer. Now quarterbacks can still succeed with a bad running game, but you have to run to set up play action. And what Zimmer believes, and he has said on the record is through play action, you can get explosive plays. It's not just about completion percentage or quarterback rating. It's about 
hitting plays down the field. Yeah. So there's something I was looking at the other day that they do in OTAs, and they're practicing it, where you run a play action, and the wide receiver, let's say to the quarterback's left, runs a route all the way to the right side of the field. It's like a deep cross. So the quarterback fakes play action. He rolls out right. And if they bite on it even a little, that receiver's wide open 30 yards down the field. Mm -hmm. And you see this. I mean, this is the most classic Gary Kubiak play. That is what Mike Zimmer is looking for. So I can justify you have a home run running back. You have a quarterback who is exceptional with play action. You have more opportunities to hit big plays with play action. My concern is, though, second and 10. If you throw an incompletion on first down, you get second and 10, and you hand the ball off, that is statistically the worst call, play call, you could ever make. And my guess is we're going to see some of those this year. And this team can't afford to make any inefficient play calls because they do not have one of the top quarterbacks. Second and 10, I think what, what you see from this offense this year is going to be a uh, ordinarily probably short passes to guys like Cook that, that are going to serve as pseudo runs. And Cook is good at, at those plays. Now, the key with Cook is can he stay on the field? And the answer to that is I don't know. But to your point about about the use of uh, deep plays off the play action pass, that comes through the West Coast. Yep, that was Brett Favre mastered that twenty years ago, and, and those aren't nice small plays. Those are fake the handoff to Cook. Defense comes up, gets sucked up, freezes and bites, and now I can pass. Take your pick, forty yards. Now, now. That goes back to, again, creating a situation for, for your quarterback that puts him in the best possible chance to succeed. That is now saying, I don't need you to be great on this pass. I need you to hit this pass. But the the defenders have probably stopped for a split second. So Diggs or Thielen or, let's take a pick here, BB can create <laughs> separation there. Um, but this whole conversation, the, the more that we talk about this, the more it crystallizes to me that almost every prism that this goes through comes back to one thing again, defense. The turnovers bother Mike so much. Yep. Why? Because coaches hate what they call quick change. And quick change puts Mike's defense field, yep. in a short field. And Mike does not want his defense to basically be shown up and look bad because his quarterback can't do his damn job. And and this is not just a Cousins uh, problem, Matthew. This goes back to if anybody, and at the time I probably did this, you thought to yourself, why does he love Teddy so much? Like, I get he likes him and he's a good, or he's he's a developing QB, but the why there. And since the day that Teddy went down on the uh, practice field and got hurt, the answer is this. It's the only quarterback in Mike's time here I've seen him trust. Everybody else, and this is true of Kirk, this is true of Case, this is true of everybody else that Mike has had to work with, I think Mike sees as a liability, not necessarily towards the offense so much, but as his defense. Yeah, and Teddy led the NFL or was very high on the throwaways. Because they'd be up six points and they'd be you know, running with Adrian Peterson. And if he got pressure, it was throw it away. Don't turn the ball over. And he was one of the safest quarterbacks in the league when it came to those turnovers because he was playing to the score. That he wasn't trying to throw it all over the place, put up big numbers. And you saw that with Kirk Cousins last year. And, man, I think that even Kirk Cousins would tell you this. When they in Washington had such poor defenses and they had to score 38 points to win... They had to throw all the time. And when you're playing from behind last year in Chicago by 18 points late in the game, you have to throw all the time. This is why I've said a bunch of times, if he threw for 3,200 yards and 20 touchdowns, but they made the playoffs, it's a good year for Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. Because it probably means they played a lot to the score. Mm -hmm. And considering how the rest of the team is built, I think that you can have a successful offense using a lot of the run plays, hitting explosive plays with the deep passes, especially Cousins is really good at throwing the ball down the field. Very, very accurate. And I, I, I think that they can do enough if they get the defensive production that they're hoping for. The thing that would concern me is, you, especially you get to the playoffs, are they going to let you do this? Dallas would not let Seattle do it. Seattle kept trying to run. It was like, no, we're not going to let you beat us with this in the playoffs. You're right. It's a good team. It's a good defense. You're going to face good teams in the playoffs. They're not going to let you do that. 
And the other thing that I think about, Judd, there's a lot of creativity offensively going on with play action in the NFL. Our buddy who comes on the show sometimes, Ted Wynn for The Athletic, did an awesome film breakdown of all the creative plays that teams are using. But the amount of information that's out there, the amount that teams are starting to buy into analytics in the NFL, makes me wonder a lot. Are they going to start to figure this out with play action? They've never figured it out before, but... If you watch the Super Bowl with how Belichick's defense handled the play-action stuff from the Rams, they basically didn't bite. And that's something we don't see very often, but they were like, yeah, okay, beat us. You don't have Todd Gurley? Beat us with handing that ball off. We are not going to let you run those play-action misdirection things. That's where I wonder, okay, okay, if if that's the whole impetus of your offense, if that's going to be a little bit problematic now because defenses are going to adjust. Gurley was hurt in that game, though. So my question back to you is this. Are the Vikings confident enough that if he's healthy, Cook is good enough to make you pay for making that assumption? Yeah, Cook is, but, you, because, but who else is a good play question? Action, play action has to be a legitimate threat that you are willing to follow through on. It, yes. ca- it can't be, uh, fooled you again, fooled you again. At some point in time, it has to become a legitimate threat. A- and when that becomes a threat and Cook, you know, a team doesn't bite and Cook breaks off a long run that's when when the next time the pass works but if you don't if you if you call their bluff and and they're like oh man we did actually plan to pass the the, the ball the entire time your offense basically dead so the question yep. becomes so uh, cook to me becomes the the complete x factor here in in to Kubiak at Stefanski, are you guys willing to pay this off? Because if you're not, then it's not going to work. And this this is definitely part of the concern about when you pay so much for one guy and you bring back everybody on defense. I have made it a lot about Kirk Cousins, but it's also a lot about Anthony Barr. It's a lot about Everson Griffin, too. Guys who they have chosen to pay. They pay a nose tackle $12 million bucks a year, and I have covered Linval Joseph every game here. He's a phenomenal player. He's a beast. He's a monster and one of the great guys to cover. He's not worth $12 million bucks. There's just no nose tackle that could do enough that's worth $12 million. Zimmer loves him, though, man. But, that, but that's what I'm and, saying. And that's is imperative in the success of his defense. But your point is so correct when it comes to not having another running back to turn to yeah it's a problem like not being able to keep latavius murray here and now hoping alexander madison could be something or mike boone we say oh yeah you could find a running back anywhere but also that goes belly up a lot of times when you have a starter go down and if delvin cook doesn't play the whole year and they have to force kirk to throw again all the time especially third downs and long things like that that's where it becomes very difficult for him uh, real quick, because I know we've gone a long time here, but a great question from someone on Twitter. Why is Kirk Cousins so good at play action? Now, we asked Kirk last year about this, and he talked about how everyone's got to be on the same page, and the execution, it starts with, let's wait for it, the super football, the pad level of the offensive linemen. They practice this out at OTAs when they're doing uh, play action play, make it look like it's a run, right? And it starts with that. That's who most people read. And the running back has a big part of this, too. But what it really comes down to, I think, is great play-action designs create open receivers down the field and space for Kirk Cousins to throw. And having watched him at training camp, if this guy sets his feet and throws a ball to somebody 25 yards down the field who's open, I mean, he's going to hit them every time because he is super accurate and has a great arm. Uh, I think that that's one of the reasons. Sam Bradford was this way, too. Sam Bradford's numbers with play action, they had a horrible running game. Bradford's numbers with play action, fantastic. Because when he could get space, set his feet, fire it, he was great. And I think that's why he's consistent with it. Go back and and watch Favre. It's a master course. Sure, yeah. It's spectacular. It also comes down to the sell. Yes. You've got to sell sell it. And And Kirk is great with details. And you've got to sell it long and hard there. 651-646-8255 is the phone number. Are you okay with the Vikings building their offense around a running system? 651-646-8255 from the TCL Broadcast Studios. When we come back, it is time on this Friday for Hot Routes. That's when we return here on Purple Daily. 
Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 5-8-8! A beautiful Friday for some hot routes, friends. We do it every single day for a segment at a different time, so you never know when it's coming. And then, uh, just like a real hot route, you get yeah, you don't to, know when a hot you get up to coming. the line of scrimmage. You're yep. like, oh, or thirty-two. Yep, that's right. And that's why my voice is struggling today. I was calling way too many hot routes. <laughs> I legitimately think screaming hot routes the other day hurt my voice. When and, were you screaming hot routes? Was I on? Uh, when actually when hot routes was invented last week? I think. Yep. I before each one yep. yelled out a different potential hot route, yep. and I think that I hurt myself. Mercedes, 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 Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. I was I was going with a lot of colors. Those are my animals. favorite. Yeah, rock stars. I threw out the Omaha, the uh, the Peyton Manning Omaha. Oh, yeah, that that one never. You know, come on. Of all the things, Omaha. That, that was well, Omaha is an actual route concept. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's true, yeah. But he would yell it out all the time, so sometimes it might not mean anything. Yeah. It could mean it oh, could a d- be a dummy call. I yeah, love the That's dummy right, call. the dummy Man, call. Man, that's geeky. It that's could great. be the number of times that he yelled it out. So if he yells it out once, it's nothing. If he yells it out twice, then it's something. It's fascinating. Just quick quickly, have you ever had explained to you the West Coast concept calls? Because I once did, and it is it will leave your head swimming oh absolutely yeah like the whole thing the whole thing starting with what is like blue 80 or green whatever but then the whole call itself and Favre could do it in his sleep and it is among the most complex like harvard level hey understand this kid within a half hour ever so bruce gradkowski former uh, journeyman quarterback in the nfl he works for pro football focus now actually uh, he was on the podcast last year, and I asked him to tell me a John Gruden story, and that was his story, that Gruden threw him in there and said, uh, in a practice, all right, here's the call, and rattled off, and Greg Kowski could still do it to this day, rattled off eight different things, and Gruden was like, all right, go get him. It was like, wait, what was that? <laughs> And, and then and then he got something wrong, and he was a rookie. And of course, somebody turned to him and said, "Get the bleep and call right," you know. And right. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it is it is really fascinating. All right, let's crank it up. It's time for the hot routes. Jonathan Harrison and Judd Zolgad. Our first hot route. Congratulations to all the kids who won the spelling bee. I did not know that eight people could win the same spelling bee, but they did. Why is that and allowed? Great job, children. It's not. I don't know. It was just it, something they had to come to a conclusion. I mean, to. they kept just spelling everything right, so they all win. I guess. Whatever. I don't know. It's eight. fine. They all, so I'm sure that they only allot so many hours to a spelling bee on ESPN, and when it's over, it's over. This can't go on all night eight winners it sounds like like old school hockey i was it the nba finals on like i think they've got to get to that they all can't right. just keep going with the spelling bee so all they right. gave eight people the wins so i want a hot route spelling bee zolgad <laughs> versus harrison i've got some names for you guys okay to spell okay and uh i guess uh we'll try we'll try two each and then see where we're at <laughs> okay. for the first one for you zolgad is leighton vander esch Linebacker from the Dallas Cowboys. Do I have to do first and last or just last? Uh, both. Okay, I have no idea. Totally guessing. Uh, Leighton, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. That's correct. Va- Vander Esch? Yes. So it's Vander Esch. Okay. V-A-N-D-E-R-E-S-C-H. That is correct. Great job, Judd. Good wow. job. All right, for you, Jonathan, J.J. Watt. <laughs> Play! <laughs> Hold on! These were randomly selected. Yeah. 
J-J-W-A-T-T. Great job. Well done, Jonathan. Are there periods or not? Perfectly done. Yes. Yes, there are periods. Correct. Great, great work, Jonathan. This is BS. All right, for Judd's second one, Juju Smith-Schuster. J-U-J-U. Smith, obviously, S-M-I-T-H. Schuster. S. C-H-U-S-T-E-R. That is correct. Good job, Judd. Beautifully done. All right, for your second one here in our Hot Route Spelling Bee, Jonathan Vaughn Miller. <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> this is the... I'm going to leave this show. I'm taking my... I'm leaving. So upset. V-O-N-M-I-L-L-E-R. Correct. Great work, Jonathan. Two for two. All right. Tiebreaker. Uh, here's your tie-breaking one, Judd. TJ Hushmanzada. <laughs> this is just a fun show. Hold on. You take your time. Spell it on your hand. Come on. You were part of the conduits of do. trouble who tracked him around town. That's right. TJ Hushmanzada. Wide receiver. For a long time, gentlemen. 112 catches in okay. 2007. T- good player. 112 letters in his last name. TJ, obviously. TJ. Um, Hushmanzada. Hush. Man, I, I'm trying to remember too. That, uh, you need a country. Of you know origin? what's funny is for Vikings, they get in your fingers, and I'll never spell them wrong. Afadi Adenabo, who has never played a game for the Minnesota Vikings, when I'm 70 years old, you come up to me and be like, "Hey, can you spell Afadi Adenabo?" You know what? Boom! It'll be there forever. Twins, Przinsky and Minkiewicz. Oh yeah, I could do. Nino Niederreiter. Yep. I before E on that. Yep. N i n i e d e r r e i t e r. Uh, Hushmanzada. I'm going. I'm not going to be right here. I don't think. But what the heck? H o u s h m a n z a d a h. You are incorrect. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Judd. It mm-hmm. is H o u s h m a n d z a d e h. T J Hushmanzada. So for the win, Jonathan, you're gonna have to step your game up here, okay. Joe Mixon. <laughs> I just completely submarine. J-O-E-M-I-X-O-N. Great job. And Jonathan wins our Hot Route Spelling Bee. Great work. Excellent job. Way to go, Jonathan. You were really tested. For our second Hot Route, ESPN (laughs) wrote this week about Earl Thomas's comeback. I personally forgot that Earl Thomas had signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, he might be a guy that uh, comes back, has a great, great year, and you go, wow, that's right, I forgot that... Earl Thomas was playing for the Ravens, and this is amazing. Who is the best player or your favorite player who left their longtime team and had a great finish to their career? Uh, I will give you one that was much to the dismay of Vikings fans. Alan Page was actually, I believe, released slash waived and picked up by the Chicago Bears and uh, didn't play a long time after that, but did make the remainder of his career all about making the Vikings' lives as miserable as possible and good for Page, who is a fantastic football player. Uh, but let me ce- let me celebrate what I really love, which is man's failure. <laughs> when a guy jumps, when a great jumps to another team because he's sure he's got something left. Uh, I covered the 2003 Packers game when they played in Sun Devil Stadium against the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And the aging, broken down, pathetic end of Emmett Smith's career. And bad. W- oh, it was awful. Like there have been some guys where you're where you say, well, that's too bad. With Smith, you wanted to go down and say, give me your helmet. You're just embarrassing everybody, including your he family. He just stayed on so he could break the record. Yeah, it was pathetic. It was not good. Anyway, so those are my two. Jonathan, got, does Brett Favre count? Because he had that. Good, oh yeah, of okay. course. I mean, you have the bad last year that he shouldn't have done because he was still injured from the championship game the Awful. season before. Yeah. But Brett Favre leaving the Packers to come to the Vikings and lead them to the NFC Championship game. And then I've got Kurt Warner as well. He wasn't really with the Rams for a very long time. He had the middle stop with the Giants. But with the Cardinals, I don't know what that is. Sorry, that is my computer auto-playing a video. I'm sorry about that. I'm sure it's a football highlight. But like auto-play videos, like what the hell? The worst. Right? That's a big thing now. Anyway, I'm sorry, Jordan. That was my mistake. Yeah, Those are my two favorites. Him as a Giant was a mess. Yeah. And when he went to Arizona, you thought this is not going to work out. I will give you mine is a running back, one of my favorite players growing up. Super exciting is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. 
And then he went to the Atlanta Falcons and actually played really well. Oh, I know who it is. And I loved work done. Yep. And he is also one of the great dudes. Like, he builds houses yep. for people and everything mm-hmm. else. He he was awesome. He was so exciting to watch. He went to, was he a Florida State guy? Cause yeah, I think he was. He was one of those. He was a little where, guy, too. Y- yes, and just uh, exciting and quick and could do it all. Was really tough for being mm-hmm. such a small guy. One of my all-time favorite players. So I'm going to go with work done. But you also, if you wanted to troll the Vikings, could go with Randy Moss, who went somewhere yeah. else, didn't end his career as a Patriot, but more or less did, and was unbelievable. But I, uh, yeah, I'll stick with work done for that one. All right, next one. Peyton Manning said that it was not the right time for him to become a broadcaster. Monday Night Football wanted him. Not the right time. Peyton Manning can literally do anything he wants in football. If he wants to be an owner, a GM, a coach, a broadcaster, he could do anything he wants. Of those options, which would you fellas select? If you were Peyton Manning, you could do whatever you want. I would just re- retire and enjoy playing golf for the rest of my life. But since that's not it's an option, hot routes. but since that's this not, is a hot, not one of the route options, I, I ran my routing. own route. He's hot. I'm the Quantrad route. Oh, I went wow. six yards deep instead of seven. Ha ha ha! Uh, but since this is hot routes, roasted. Uh, since this is hot routes, <laughs> got him. If I could do one of those jobs, I'd be so rich. I don't think I'd want to be a broadcaster. I think that might bore me. I would actually be. I would actually be a GM. I would run a team. Because if you're Peyton, you're incredibly smart. You, you're probably you're probably in, in a position to know what's what to be successful. If you were willing to work the hours, I would probably pick GM. I'd pick owner, so then I could also be the GM if I wanted to be. Okay. If you're the owner, that way I can no one can fire you. Yeah. You're the owner, no one can fire you, and then you can be the GM and I don't no one can spend fire that. you from it. I don't want to spend that much of my hard-earned cash. <laughs> I want my cash. Or I in just the bank. spend the cash, buy the team, and then put the people Jed's in place I want. being cheap in a hypothetical scenario. <laughs> I don't want to spend that much cash. It's paying Frugal in the bottom. I got to pay people, and I don't want to do that. So here, here's my issue with you being owner and then making all the decisions is that when it ultimately goes wrong, unless you have Tom Brady, everyone will be like, it's the owner who's aloof and old and crazy and rich and doesn't know football enough. Yep. <laughs> But you don't care what they say because yeah. you're aloof, old, crazy, and rich, and you, you are have, the GM. You have bleep you money. It doesn't really matter. You're flamboyant. <laughs> to me, there is no question that GM would be the most fun, but I also think that I would really, truly enjoy if I... There's way too much catch-up work to ever do, so I could never do this, but I would love it from playing years of video games and calling plays. Oh, the coach? I would love oh, to be no. the... I would love to be... The offensive-minded coach who doesn't no touch defense, and all I do is genius my way over on the sideline to victory. Yep, I'm Would the offensive-minded uh, coach. I am McVay. You're Kubiak. Are you going with the rhino horn that McVay has? I just, it's not thick enough here in the front. Back to you're getting, a coach. You're getting a little lighter in the front, really. Get some hair. Get a hair. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's Kubiak, right? That's Zim, right. Zim yeah. spends night and day on defense, and oh, all you do is show up and say, let's run that zone read I, here. I know that the hours are tough, yeah. and that would be why you'd rather be maybe the owner, is you can make your own hours. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea of calling plays. I think that'd be super fun. <laughs> All right, next one. This headline from Pro Football Talk. Kyler Murray already drawing comparisons to Pat Mahomes. Preposterous, of course. A bit, yes. Pat Mahomes was the MVP of the football last year, so... It's a little much to put on Kyler Murray. He does have a nice arm, but I don't think it's quite Pat Mahomes' arm. When you guys played backyard football as a kid, who were you? We talk about this in baseball all the time. Like, oh, yeah. oh I, I did oh, this yeah. batting stance. I was this guy. I also did it backyard football, and I will tell you guys, you can think about it. I was Barry Sanders in the backyard. I was pretty nifty, had quick feet, was a little more athletic than most of my brother's friends. Killed the Vikings. <laughs> and I had a Barry Sanders jersey, so I was nice. always I was always Barry Sanders. Tearaway, <laughs> the old tearaways. No, when guys would no. grab them, I love the old tearaways. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. old highlights of the tearaways those, yeah. are some of my favorite. Yeah, no, that, right. I did not have that. Okay. I, but I did have a Barry Sanders jersey, and yep, every time I would juke somebody out in the backyard, Barry Sanders. Uh, mine would probably be Randy Moss because I was a big Vikings fan as a kid, and I loved playing wide receiver at that time, and. Just going up and 
catching balls over Mossing kids. somebody yeah. in the backyard? Because I was always playing with my brother's younger friends, so they were all a little bit shorter. I think Moss would be the most common Minnesota answer yeah. by up 50 miles, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's not even close, probably. No one's going, Robert Smith, very yep. sound out of the backfield. Yep. Robert Smith's awesome, but go ahead. Yeah, Steve Dills, job back to pass. Uh, so this was, in fact, because we, we played a lot of recess football back in the day at uh, St. Therese in Deep Haven. Uh, 1978 uh, Monday Night Football game, this was established as my guy because I was the biggest kid in my class, and thus could abuse my classmates on the football field. Love you, Blue, Earl Campbell. Oh, yeah, just and, run them over. And away. everybody would... You know, sort of pile on me, and I'd still be up, and I would just get through those guys and then dash for touchdowns. But go back and watch the uh, Earl Campbell in the Astrodome, Oilers-Dolphins game, 78, I believe is correct. That's who I was. All right, final hot route. Cam Newton just started throwing again, dealing with his shoulder injury that, wow, did he look bad trying to play with that at the end of last year. Two-part question here. How many games does he play? And if he's totally shot, how will we remember Cam Newton? Um, I'll take this first. I will say I will say he will play 12 games. Because I think he tries to... He definitely plays through pain. But I think it's going to get bad. And, and yeah, last year, if that's indicative of where this thing might be going for him, it's not good. So I say he plays in 12 games. And if it ends here, I, I think the narrative of Cam... If, if you say in three years and he's gone, Cam Newton, I think the first thing that jumps to your mind is the Super Bowl press conference after the Broncos game. A yeah. sort of a recalcitrant type of guy who who had talent but was, you know, he's comes to the press conferences and all these weird get-ups and stuff. And he's an odd guy, and, and I think he's perceived that way. So I think that press conference and and what happened there is sort of going to be the defining first thought of him if this is it. What do you think, Jonathan? I think somewhere around ten to twelve games. He plays through. He plays through pain. He probably comes back a little probably bit too early. To, but he misses early in the season. You yeah. think shoulder yeah. injuries are hard? Yeah, he'll probably come back a little too early. I think his legacy will. Once people start looking at his stats more, overrated. Like people think he's this great the quarterback. <laughs> no, people think he's this great quarterback, and then you look at his stats. He's a fifty-nine percent completion thrower. That's when people are doing sixty-five percent these days. Sixty to, you know, in the mid-sixties. I think that's a bit overrated. So I think that Cam Newton's legacy will be a combination of those two things that you guys mentioned unfairly. That <laughs> he well, first of all, you take his statistics. And then you add 58 touchdowns rushing from his yeah. career. That, that's where it always gets tough because you know people look at you know what's his quarterback rating, things like that. He's never going to be the most accurate passer in the world. But I think those completion percentages last year showed you how much it was system. Because he was throwing a lot of dump off and quick passes mm-hmm. to Christian McCaffrey last year. 68% completion percentage. A lot of that is just what you're given. But his down years were bad. No yep. question about it that he would turn the ball over too much, a lot of fumbles, a lot of picks, not a great yards per attempt in his bad years. The way I will look at him is, A, he entirely saved the Carolina Panthers franchise yeah. because that after they drafted Jimmy Clausen, I mean, they were so far down. Chris Winkie, the post-Jake DeLome era was brutal for a few games there, and then, or a few years, and then he brought them to a Super Bowl and went 15 and 1. Overall, a winner with lots of different types of teams. 68 and 53 is his career record. One of the most explosive and exciting players to ever really play. Uh, and I, I think that's how he should be looked at, but that other stuff will cloud it. As, as we go away, though, from someone's career, as we get years and years past it, we tend to forget that other stuff, though. And we tend to look more about, you know, he really did entirely change the Panthers organization. Plus, too, I think he paved the way for some running quarterbacks to be drafted higher and to be faces of franchises. Michael Vick did that for the most part. But then, you know, Vick, he had his troubles, too. And he wasn't always, you know, the best quarterback and this guy's as huge. a thrower. This guy's a enormous man. Yeah, I, I think I think he changed the way we look at the quarterback position to some extent to sort of 
look at Michael Vick instead of, oh, it's sort of a one-time every generation. There's a Cunningham or there's a Vick. But now half the league is in some way like Cam Newton. So I think that's how he should be looked at. But the press conference stuff, the, the traditional statistics, I think that they will weigh him down for quite a while. All right, that's Hot Routes. We're going to take a quick break. We will come back and set up our number two. I want to get your take before I talk with uh, Myron Metcalf, um, Judd, about not who you think the – I haven't told this to Myron yet, who the rated worst head coach with experience is, but I'll tell you, and I want you to react to that. When we return, plus a Packers injury that won't affect them on the field but is pretty serious. We'll come right back and explain here on Purple Daily. Yeah, I think he understands, uh, you know, what we do well, um, you know, kind of how we're going to do certain things. Um, and, and this is his system that fits him really well. So uh, you can tell that he's confident um, and, and he knows, um, he kind of knows where we're going to be before we're even there. So uh, it's nice to have that synergy and, and hopefully he can continue to grow it, uh, with this new offense. Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen there. A few more minutes here. Hour one of Purple Daily. If you missed any of the show, some fun conversation about running the football in our Hot Route segment. Go to wherever you get your podcast. Type in Purple Daily or type in Score North Vikings. Either way, we'll take you there. Download the podcast or the show in podcast form. You can listen to it whatever you want. Also, there is an app. If you want to read about uh, my takeaways from OTAs, just go to the app right in the center. There's the article. Boom. It's that easy. Um, so make sure you do that. And I will even take this a step further, Jonathan, because you've been begging for me to do this. If you give us a rating on the podcast thing, it shares it with more people. Mm-hmm. So then more people get to enjoy all the football talk. More ratings so. and more share or comments boost us up in iTunes. Okay, there's uh, there's your one-time weekly yep. that I promise you I will try to remember Appreciate to it. tell you that. Uh, the Packers suffered a very serious injury today, Judd. Did you see this? I did. Their head coach, Matt LaFleur, tore his Achilles playing hoops. Yikes. If, if I'm the Packers, I am so thankful right now. <laughs> That it wasn't someone who's playing. Yes, exactly right. I mean, it's too bad. Too you know, it's gonna. He's I'm sure gonna have to have it surgically repaired. But I am so happy because they do have a basketball court and gym in Lambeau Field. Um, so the temptation could be there for guys. I'm sure they do play basketball. So I am happy. That reminds me of two things. One, remember when Aaron Boone hurt himself playing basketball, and that opened the door for the Yankees going to get Alex Rodriguez. Now that you mentioned I do, yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten. And what happened to me this morning? The worst thing that's ever happened to me playing basketball happened this morning. Did you miss a shot? Well, it rarely happens, but I've missed enough shots for that not to be the worst thing. All right. So usually at the end of a session, I will take some off balance, some fadeaways, some step backs, try to make a ridiculous shot to end, you know, and then we'll Oh, yeah, on. no question. Same thing I do. So I did a step back, three-point fadeaway, yeah. and it bounces off the rim and goes over the basket. Hmm. And is rolling, and it keeps rolling, and it keeps rolling, and then it hits a sideway uh, sidewalk and keeps rolling and goes into a lake and floats away. You lost the basketball? I lost the basketball. It bounced and hit this sidewalk and rolled all the way down the sidewalk, down a hill, into a lake How deep or was pond. The How deep was the pond? Too deep for me to jump in to get a basketball that cost 10 bucks from Target, but like a devastating moment for me today. Do you have more basketballs at home? I can buy another one, or but you're not, or I like to go buy one. one. Now, it's, I mean, it's 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 so what's the lesson to watch it just float so away? So what's on the you. what's the lesson learned here? I don't know. Don't try don't that shoot at the, that basket. Don't play by a lake. It's it's very. But serene. it sounds like it took a long jaunt yeah, to get it, to the lake. It, it's never even come close to happening before. All it was right. just from where I shot. It ends up on this sidewalk, very much like when you hit a cart path. I once had a 400-something-yard drive because it hit a cart path and just bounced and bounced and bounced. That's what happened to my basketball today. So no, I'm sorry um, to hear that about your basketball. But, but my Achilles seemed to be my fine. My condolences to you and the basketball. LaFleur. What was the other thing I was going to tell you? Oh, coaches. So how about this? Sporting News ranked all 32 coaches. Of course, the inexperienced coaches they put at the bottom because you have to. Like Kling, uh, 
King, Kingsbury. Yeah. Like, we don't know. Yeah. He could be great. He could be terrible. So you put him 32nd. He knows McVay, so I think he's going to be great. The worst coach with previous coaching experience. Do you have a guess at who that might be? The worst coach with, so with at least a year? Yeah. Uh, Matt Patricia? I know that's your dream, but no. I like that you have a Matt Patricia beef and I have a Doug Marone beef, but it's neither one of those guys. It's our old friend, Pat Shermer. He was listed... Really? Dead last among coaches with any experience. They gave him a running back to star in his offense. And he's got a quarterback who's a geriatric. I know. I know. I don't think that's fair. Now I, and I he's got a GM who's a... I don't know what. I do believe that Pat Shermer has a chance to have a halfway decent offense based on the fact that he did with Case Keenum here. And and we would have never thought that either. After watching Case Keenum through training camp, yeah. you never would have guessed. And also, if you look at their offense last year, mm-hmm. it really wasn't as bad as we think their defense really fell back from where it was a few years ago. They actually had more passing yards than the Minnesota Vikings. They were 11th last yeah, year. Not passing Patricia yards. takes the cake. No, I don't think he's the worst coach by any means. But I think the fact that in expected points, they finish 15th in passing yeah. is amazing considering yeah. that Eli Manning has nothing left. Yeah, Pat Shermer doesn't deserve that. It's his situation and not his ability. But maybe but maybe he doesn't have enough of that, you know, that head coachiness. Spelled J.J. Watt. That was a BS game. All right. Today. Myron Metcalf. No, it wasn't. Myron Metcalf. Totally legit. Um, from ESPN. He's in next to talk. We're going to break down all the coaches on the list and where Mike Zimmer ranks when we come back. A beautiful Friday here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home. Or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.